This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey guys, just a quick word. YouTube has demonetized us once again, so if you want to support No Jumper and what we do over here on this YouTube channel, there are three easy ways. First off, the free options. That would be liking, commenting, subscribing, or just telling a friend. Or you could head on over to NoJumper.com and buy a shirt like the one I'm wearing right now or one of the products featured right here. The third way and one of the best ways to support this channel is to actually hit up one of our live streams and have us play your music. We charge $100 per song, but it gives you a really good way to get feedback on your content. Plus, it really helps keep us uh, making content since we can rely on those donations. The podcasts don't always make so much money, but those help a lot. So I appreciate everybody for supporting. Let's get right into this content. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today, we're extremely honored to have the one and only ASAP Ferg in here. How you doing, man? What's good, bro? I heard the stomach's not feeling too good. Yeah. Food. Food and uh, Hennessy. Oh, really? Okay. Blend. So you're still on the Hennessy? Oh, yeah. I'm still signed with Hennessy. Oh, the Hennessy okay. wasn't the reason. I was turned up off the Hennessy, but... The uh, food just got my stomach fucked up right now. My stomach is mad at me. So you don't trust Jamaican food on the West Coast? No, I love Jamaican food on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the tough part about being on the West Coast, honestly, is if you spend a lot of time in New York, you definitely got your Jamaican food spots. Nah, it's just the, spicy. The mm, spicy be killing me sometimes. That's but what I fucks love, you up. I'm, I'm West Indian. I'm Trinidadian, so, like, I was raised eating spicy food, but yesterday, that shit just... Right. Yeah. So do you smoke still? Nah, I'll smoke. You're over it? Did, did were you ever like big on it or Nah. No. Nah. Not big on it. Like I dib, dibbled and dabbed with it. Like I ain't never really You get became, paranoid? Like, hell yeah. Really? Yeah. You smoke? Oh yeah. You get paranoid. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes. I definitely like shouldn't smoke before interviews because it kind of makes me start playing head games with myself. But my thing too is like I just left the gym and then I get in the car and I got like this much of a spliff left and I just start smoking it. And I was already like my, my heart rate was up so high from being in the gym. Yeah. And then I feel like all of a sudden I'm taking in this tobacco or weed and I'm driving at the same time. And I'm, yeah. I'm just start being like, like it just yeah. kind of fucked me up. Yeah, know. last time I smoked I was in L.A. And I just was like, man, this shit ain't for me. Really? Because uh, it was just, y'all weed is different out here. <laughs> yeah, for real. It ain't that chocolate tie that you buy in the park. Yeah, buddy comes through and he, he's smoking everything. Mm. And he's like normal with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't keep up with him. Now, when I left New York and moved to the West Coast was definitely when my weed smoking just completely hit a different level. Like, I just never, I, I didn't know anybody who just smoked multiple blunts all day, every day until I got to the West Coast. You from New York? No, I'm from right outside Boston, but oh. I lived in um, Astoria and Bushwick for like 2004 to 2010. Oh, word. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I always thought it was weird because I used to be riding BMX every day 
And then you, all of a sudden, I moved to the West Coast. You nice on the bikes? I'm all right. But I was always just like riding BMX, like every day. Bikes, but yeah. then I moved to the West Coast. All of a sudden, you're popping within like a year or two. And then you're like, yeah, you know, I used to ride BMX in New York City. And I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Because if I had stayed living in New York for an extra year or two, I probably would have ran into you on just some on regular bike. ass skate park, riding bikes around shit. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's Did a great way Nigel? to see New York. I do know Nigel. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Nigel when he was like 15. Word. I might have known him around that time too. Mm. Like when he was uh, jumping a million stairs and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I remember his first photo in a, in a magazine. He had like the $2 I Love New York shirt on. I don't remember that you one. You don't remember those ones? Uh, <laughs> you don't remember those shirts, though? That was like a whole thing in the BMX world. Everybody would wear those fucking cheap-ass $2 shirts like just every day because you just dog your shirt out every day riding. So oh, yeah. you just run through those things. Man, I was riding bikes to some jiggy shit. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, we, we got this thing in Harlem called Maury Gators. Okay. Yeah, yeah you yeah, might yeah. hear Cam like mm -hmm. rapping about it. Constantly. I, yeah, it's like $400 sneakers. And you were like, riding them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, that's <laughs> gators on. It's like gator sneakers. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting because nowadays I feel like it's way more common to see people skating around bikes and, and expensive shoes. Like it's just kind of become a little bit more of a established thing. I feel like the skater style period is just they just making so much money off. Mm -hmm. It's like streetwear and like skater shit. Like now you could buy like dunks. Well, you bank about dunks for about. SBs for about four or five hundred dollars. Right now, you, they two thousand, three thousand. They just going crazy. Yes, clothes it's, in general, like from the from our culture of BMX or um, skating and all of that. But I always thought it was a shame that BMX kind of like lagged behind skateboarding in terms of like the overall culture and the fashion and involving yeah. itself and all that kind of stuff. But it is so much. It's such a physical thing. Like, you really, if you go out riding bikes for a day, you're getting dirty as fuck, sweating your ass off. Yeah. Skateboarding, you can afford to be a little bit more of, like, a regular person going out dressed sort of normal. Right. Yeah. Nah, skaters, the the whole swag of skaters is fire. Like, it's about, it's it's almost like, uh, it's like when you ride your skateboard, it's just, it's a certain swag, mm. like, that comes with it. When you ride your bike, it's a lot of... Dudes that ride bikes and I ain't got no style. No. <laughs> it's like when you ride skateboard, like you could wear dickies every day with a, a baggy white tee and it's just like the vibe. Mm. You yeah. see all these videos of skaters in New York where like the style now is that they just ride like flat ground at like some basketball court type spot or whatever and they just do super stylish flip tricks and they got their pants cuffed just right and they got, you know, the thick rim glasses and the perfect little beanie. It's just like crazy hipster skate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole new world. But I'm changing that for uh, bike riders, BMX bike riders. Now you could get jiggy, you could buy a ASAP Ferg Redline mm, bike seen that. now, you know what I'm saying? Now you, you got the, the good merch to go with it, the clothing and I'm showing them that we could be jiggy on the bikes too. Did you ever think about being sponsored or anything like that? Like, did you even get that far into riding bikes at that time in your life when you were younger? My dream was to be in the X Games. So, I mean, like, I didn't pursue it to that level of like, you know, being in like different whatever. Training, uh, going yeah, that yeah, hard, I, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do that, but. Um, I used to watch Dave Mero on TV. Rest in peace to the girl. Yeah, rest in peace to him. And um, I used to just watch like mad YouTube videos of, you know, Nigel Sylvester and just different um, dudes that was nice on the bikes going crazy and the kids that was in my neighborhood that was going crazy. So, um, yeah.
Harlem, crazy ass BMX scene too. You ever been to that Mulally's skate park up in the Bronx? With all yeah, the green yeah, hell yeah, and shit? yeah, hell yeah. Manali's, yeah. That place was crazy. That was one of the first New York skate parks I've ever been to. You ever heard of Edwin De La Rosa? Nah. Ooh, I'm gonna show you him. He's like the ultimate New York City BMX rider. He was kind of like the the dude before Nigel came along, who was sort of like just the face of like New York. Yeah. Because he came out at like like his definitive video part had a 50 song, and he was like the 50 of the BMX game coming out of that time. Just because he was. He like, got mad YouTube videos. Yeah, and he was just like the first cool New York black kid riding bikes so fucking good like completely had a different image because bmx is always kind of was always white for a long time like there right. wasn't that many people from like a, a different background that were really that big it's different now but at that time like he was like the first one that broke through and nobody ever made shit look cool like that yeah i gotta check i gotta around. show you anyway yeah so I, i'm curious because like it's it's interesting to think like you can't you come from like humble beginnings in new york and shit yeah when you think about those days like how did those days of just sort of pursuing different passions around your hometown sort of like influence the stuff that you got interested in and ended up making from a creative standpoint wait that was a long ass question. <laughs> I'm like trying to compute that right now. That was one of those questions where you like don't really know what the fuck you're saying, so you just keep babbling and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't trying to babble. Mm, okay, let's keep it more concise. Your upbringing uh -huh. in terms of your influences, because it's it's just interesting to me. You were riding bikes, you were interested in fashion, yeah. and then you come out making music, and your music just sounded hella grown compared to the average person who just starts making music. What you mean by grown? Sophisticated, didn't sound like somebody's first project. Word. Oh, thank you. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a lot of practice too before like I dropped Trap Lord. Like mm. it was a lot of practice. Like I man, I was I remember I was doing Rick Ross ad libs and shit like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like Rocky was going around and playing out with music, the team, and like when he go sit in these label meetings and they wasn't even feeling me at first. They was like, oh, we want you. We're not really digging this dude, whatever, whatever. But I guess he's seen it in me, and he's seen that I could, you know, be different and develop my style. And when I had quit my job, I was working security. I had saved, like, $3,000 because I knew, like, we was going to pop. It was just a matter of time. Uh -huh. So I just quit my job, and I'm like, yo, I'm just going to use all of this money to, like, develop my style. Right. And that's what I did. So it's a lot of songs. I got computers full of songs that ain't even come out mm. until like I really mastered who Ferg was to the game and my style and everything and I put those songs out. You're kind of lucky in a way because a lot of people sort of come out, they make a couple of songs, they put them online, they start promoting themselves like crazy and then you always will have that memory in your head of, oh, that dude, that dude's whack because you remember the shitty songs you heard from him <laughs> early on. Right. I feel like a lot of times there's a benefit to like training for years, making music, yeah, and then eventually bringing it out. Hell yeah! I mean, yeah, I was—I never thought that I'd be even dropping an album or a mixtape. That wasn't like a plan for me. It was just—I was always doing music because I loved it, and I was battle rapping and just doing shit like that. I never thought I would be like recording a song because I just write sixteens just to go battle rap. Mm. But like when I when we said this is what we're gonna do as the mob, and we're gonna make music and do this and do that. I had stopped putting in the effort and the work to like develop my style. Mm. And that's how it happened. Hey man, so a uh, quick break from this ASAP Ferg interview. If you like ASAP Ferg, if you like rap music, you know what you also might like? 
male enhancement. I know you've got some issues down there. Uh, Blue Chew is here to help. If you like banging, you'll love BlueChew.com. Blue Chew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom that you would not believe. If you head on over to BlueChew.com and use promo code ADAM22, you will be able to get Blue Chew for free and pay just $5 shipping. I swear, I have no jumper fans hitting me up left and right, telling me that they're having a great experience with this. What you do to get these chewable, delicious gummies is you head on over to bluechew.com uh, and you will be able to consult with an online physician who will get you in the zone. They'll figure out what dosage you should be taking. Uh, and it only takes a few minutes, and there's no in-person doctor's visit, no awkward conversation, nothing like that. So what you need to do, head on over to bluechew.com and use the promo code Adam22. It's a big, big help to the spot, to the uh, podcast. Keeps us moving, keeps us grooving. Myself, personally, I'm planning on having multiple Blue Chew experiences within the next couple of days. So uh, head on over to bluechew.com and use promo code Adam22 and you'll pay just $5 shipping. Let's get back into the ASAP Ferg interview. Thank you. See, it's really interesting to me because the way you're saying that, like the labels, what they were fucking with Rocky, but they were skeptical of you. I mean, they just obviously Rocky was the only one that was like really putting out music. Mm. I wasn't pursuing music. I was like, I was stuck on like creating art, and I was doing art shows and designing clothes and shit like that. I knew how to rap, so Rocky wanted to. He wanted to be a duo at first. So I didn't really have, I just started getting into the whole recording thing and he been like pursuing it and wanting to do it. I was just like, yo, bro, if you do it, then I, I, I'll come along with you type shit. And then I just started recording. So I didn't even really know who I was identity wise right. to music. I just knew that what I liked to hear or like rapping on different beats and shit, but like he already had his shit figured out and mm -hmm. who he was and what he wanted to do. His so, version of having it figured out, though, like how much was that informed by Yams in the sense that Yams just had this insane cultural knowledge, this reference base. He knew everything about music and stuff. And I, I feel like that's a conversation a lot of times people have is like how much was y was Yams responsible involved. for helping mold you and Rocky into being like because you guys just seemed when you came out like you were more sophisticated and more ready for this and more developed. And I feel like a lot of people like myself thought like, I wonder how much of a hand Yams had in sort of making this content seem so much more grown. I think Yams was like our puff mm. and meaning like Yams wasn't physically making beats and things like that. Like he was executive producing and a and r and and he was he would reach out to different producers, the Beautiful Lose, and I guess Clams Casino or whoever it was at the time, and bring people together because he was heavy into the internet, mm -hmm. and like he was on these different like blogs and shit like that. You knew that. about his Tumblr before uh, Real Nigga Tumblr? Yeah, the, the uh, most legendary Tumblr of all time. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know his Tumblr was a thing until like everybody kept talking about it. Like, oh, like, you know, Rocky's on, like, cause that's how people discovered Rocky at mm -hmm. first was through like real nigga Tumblr. And we always looked at Yams as like a real genius because it was like, oh shit, this is one of the first dudes who started a platform online and then was able to flip that into a business venture, but not mm. in the usual corny kind of way of like, oh, I got a blog, so I'm gonna put some ads on he it. He worked it in. His shit was like, oh, I have this super lit blog that has proven to everybody who looks at it that I'm a dope person who has really good taste and is really yeah. smart and knows about everything. And so when I say I got an artist, y'all are gonna pay attention. And then it actually worked. Yeah. I was never really on Yam's Tumblr. Like mm. I was on Tumblr, but I wasn't, 
I never, I didn't, I don't know, even know if I follow Yams. At the time, like, I was already, we was already in the process of turning his Tumblr into the business. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was more so a part of the business and the the new movement that was happening. I think Rocky and him, they was building on the Tumblr thing way before, like, I was involved. Mm. You so, were actually out there in real life doing your thing? Yeah. 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 Did, so once you start getting really famous, though, does is it weird because you can't just do shit like go ride your bike around and just be a regular person in New York? Or, or did, did that set in? Did it take a while for that to set in? Man, I used to get anxiety going outside. Yeah. Like, because it was like, I'll be with my girl, we go to the supermarket and shit. And like, I, I would have to brace myself to like have to talk to people and because it's not normal no more. It's like, before I went from like somebody looking at me and it being a problem, like, we couldn't, like, growing up in Harlem, you couldn't just be, like, staring at somebody. He'd be like, yo, you got a problem? Like, mm -hmm. it's always a problem. Um, but now it's like I had to realize, like, these is fans or, you know, they not looking at me because they got a problem. They looking at me because I look familiar or some shit. Yeah. 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 I mean, once you once you get into that rapper category, I know it's hard for people, a lot of people to understand that. It's like, when you're looking at me all crazy yeah. in public and you're a grown man who looks <laughs> like you could do something to me, this right. is not a comfortable feeling for me sitting here taking this in. Exactly. But, and also even just like, not on no beef shit, like it's just, it's just a, a to be a, adjusting, like adjusting to fame is just a whole nother psychological thing because I feel like we are conditioned a certain type of way. So it's like, we have to break that condition and, and, the tradition of how we think in mm -hmm. order to, to to move how we move. Right. Yeah, like, you know, you have to be able to, even for you to have this business and this platform, you have to, yeah, you do what you do and you turn up and do all of this shit, but at the same time, you have to have real conversations right. with people that, like, you know, you have to talk with intellect yeah. and, 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 and know what you're doing. Versus just, and you had to condition yourself to do that. There's so many things that you can do as a regular person that once you're in some sort of spotlight, it's just, that all goes away. Like the other day, somebody said something to me that I legitimately thought in my head, I'm like, I'm going to see that guy. I'm going to fucking punch him in the face. And then I was like, no, you can't do that anymore. You can't think like that. You know, like, yeah. like, and that just, it was weird because it actually pissed me off enough that I actually thought that and had to remind myself like no you can, you can never just swing on someone again we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end what will I become Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah. I mean, I never really had that problem because it's like, I just, I know consequences. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's so easy to get into shit. I ain't saying like, we ain't never really get into shit. Like, cause when we first came into the game, we were just, we was trailblazing. And we were just kids, and but I always had the mind frame. It's easy to get into shit and hard to get out of. Mm. I was never the one, to, like the first one swinging this, that, and third. I always thought, like, man, if we do this, it's gonna be some repercussions after this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We could swing and we could go crazy, but at the end of the day, like, we're gonna have to suffer some consequences. You know, you saying that makes even me like fucking going to Canada. I have to uh. always check in now because of some. 
bullshit that happened early on. Exactly. And it was a fight. There wasn't even nothing crazy, but it's just like that one fight from when I was younger led up to me being 30 years old, still having to check in, Mm. you know, with them and tell them like, all right, yeah, that was years ago, whatever, whatever. I'm good to, I came to Canada yesterday, like, yeah. or last week. <laughs> yeah. Y'all let me through. I'm good. That's the one of the biggest things that if you got a random court case, whatever, I know people who got DUIs that they can't go to Canada and shit. Yeah. Like, as soon as that limited your ability to travel and to be able to take part in other countries and yeah. shit, that's the ultimate moment where you're going to be like, God damn, why did I do that? And that was one of the first things that I realized, like, yo, this shit can, like, leave scars, like, you know what I'm saying? Like bullshit you do as a and the youth can leave scars like later. Mm. I mean, it's shit that your parents teach you and shit, but it's but like it never makes sense. It's never really you like whatever, whatever, but like for real, it's easy to get into shit and hard to get out of. The biggest time I think of that is when I'm in line at seven eleven to buy some backwards or whatever, and I, I yesterday I'm just looking at this lady and she's just buying a pack of cigarettes and a bunch of cereal. And I'm just looking at her and I'm like, this woman looks like she's only been consuming cereal and cigarettes for her entire life. And what your body is, is just the, the overall combination of everything you've put into it throughout, throughout your life. And when you're young, you just have no ability to think like, oh, I want to eat healthy things because I want to feel good. Yeah, that yeah. just You could never say enough to a kid to make that make sense to him. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Like you get older, you just start really being conscious of all of that type of shit. Cause we, as you get older, you just be afraid to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you start to realize I didn't give a fuck about dying when I was young. And now yeah. all of a sudden it seems like a pretty big deal. Yeah, you start putting the brakes on like, hold up, let me get more spiritual. Let me, that's why I used to always wonder like why old people always go to church or like mm. whatever. Like I ain't, I'm like, man, you can have church. You can pray in your house. You ain't got to go somewhere actually and sit and worship. Mm. But like, People, I guess, as they get older, they get more worried Mm -hmm. about, like, whether they're going to make it to heaven or not. Yeah. No, for sure. Like, and I don't even believe in God, but the the older I get, the more that I can really, really see the value of things like religion. Because it's kind of like when you're young, you're so focused on your friends and your passions and the shit that you're you're really interested in. And then I think as you get older, you start to realize, well, you kind of cycle through friends to a certain degree. Like, you know, as you get older, a lot of times the person that you were friends with that you really cared about 10 years ago doesn't matter as much. You start to realize that working on the music, yes, it's fulfilling and everything, but you like for me, there's a part of me that craves just real human interaction that isn't predicated on fame or what someone could do for me or what I can do for them. And I, I see that in the church thing that even if it's not always like that, because I'm sure there's all kinds of superficial bullshit that happens when people go to church, right. but at least it's an attempt at bringing people together at, through something that's pure. Right. For sure. Yeah. I think that's what we all here for really is a, that human interaction and feel the togetherness and get through shit together and mm. all that. Yeah, I so, think that's what church and shit is for really, yeah. honestly. Same. My mom used to always try to explain that to me as a kid. And I remember I I thought I was so smart because I had the best argument. She'd say, well, you know, when your father went to prison, like the people at that church were the only ones who who held me down and made me feel like I was safe and cared for and stuff like that. And I used to say, well, you could have got that feeling from people at the bowling alley. And I thought that was such a good argument. You said that? <laughs> God damn. It's rough, right? But it's true because it's just like any group in the people could offer you solace at a hard time. Yeah. She probably didn't really appreciate it. I feel like it's a more concentrated group, though, mm. that can kind of like get you through those different 
tough times, I feel like. Do you appreciate your family more now as you get older as well? Um, hell yeah. I mean, it's not like more than the usual. I think I, I've always appreciated my family. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah, I do. I appreciate like my uncle and shit because it's like, he's the only, he's my OG. So like, he's with me all the time. He done been through the streets. He did time in the jails and like, he understands life on a whole nother level and he sees things I can't see. So it's like, um, I couldn't imagine being in this game and not having him around. Mm. And I, I understand why so much kids get lost being in the game because they don't got those OGs or or experienced people around them or mm. people that's going to guide them. Because sometimes, like, these, everybody get rich and famous or whatever, and they be, like, 17-year-old kids get rich and famous, and then they start telling people around them, even older people, what to do. Mm. And that's not what I got around me. I got like, no matter how rich I get, no matter how famous I am, I got real people around me that's like, nah, that shit is whack. If nah. you're gonna make money, you should spend the money on hiring people that are smarter than you, at, at least in one part of the business, you know? Right, for sure. Or like for me, a lot of times I have to hire people who are like more social than me because I'm just not that good at like remaining in contact with people. You know, I just don't think I'm good at like remaining. Well, it's it's partially a problem of just numbers because it's like, you know, when you interview hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in a year, it's like you might want to stay in touch with them so you could keep, you know, a friendship going or whatever. But it's just so hard to like even like every, like tomorrow I got two more interviews so it's like the interviews I did yesterday are already kind of like falling into the back of my brain that's what makes me feel guilty is that it's like you know I met Rhapsody yesterday and interviewed her and she's so she's dope. dope yeah so dope I fuck with her if I was less busy I feel like she's the kind of person that I might hit you up can hang out with. once a week be like yeah. yo how you doing yeah but I don't have those kind of relationships because I'm so wrapped up in this business shit do you yeah. feel like that hell yeah but that's what like people around you is supposed to be for like like my uncle I just spoke about, or like my cousin or or my manager, they keep, they, like it's a, a community that helps keep everybody connected mm. because they know I'm I'm out here like trying to, you know, shake and move. So like it's, it's hard for me to personally sometimes, you know, keep in contact with people. But what I do is, the best way I do it is like the moment I think about somebody, I just hit them and be like, yo, it's good, just mm. shouting you out. But for the most part, they keeping in contact with people like, yo, I just spoke to so-and-so, like they gonna be in the city. So, because even when it comes to artists, I'm not even with, I'm not even talking to like YG all the time or talking to whoever, like, but he might be talking to their security or talking to like the homies that's part of their crews mm. and making sure that we connect when, whenever we hit these cities. And a lot of those people too, like, I know YG, and I think YG's incredible, but it's like, I know he's busy as fuck. I'm not trying to bother him or nothing, yeah. but you know that that's the kind of person that if he all, like, one of these days, YG ain't going to be around, and you're going to be thinking, damn, like, did I actually put in enough effort that I could have to really have appreciated that person while they were around? Damn, why you say that? Like that? Not, not like he's going to be gone tomorrow, <laughs> God, but that's how damn. it is. But whenever somebody's gone, don't you end up thinking, Fuck. I wish I, I no, okay, I'm sorry, but God don't you end damn. up thinking like, damn, I didn't, I could have appreciated their existence no, a lot more while they were gonna here. He's going to be around for a very long okay, time. Okay, YG specifically, I 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, like that's with everybody though. That's with your mother. That's with anybody that you care about. You just, you just got to make the effort. Like no matter how busy they are, how busy you are, you just got to. 
Because it's just like I always tell people, like people like yo, I know you've been busy. I hate hearing that shit. <laughs> and don't tell me I know you've been busy. Like it's a I'm going to start I'm it ASAP Ferg. I'm going to be busy all the time. Mm -hmm. But like you could come hang out with me while I'm busy. Like come like do these interviews. Come sit in a room with me or whatever. And we'll go to lunch and catch up. And and that's just how. It has to be for me because that's how my life is mm. structured right now. I guess until like I get older and things are slow down and I'm I'm running my business from the crib or something like. But do you ever think about that? You ever think like maybe I'm gonna just intentionally accept less offers to go do stuff, accept less shows, and just really let my life just slow down a lot and just really appreciate things? Or do you feel like if you do that, you're gonna get left behind? I did that last year. Okay, I put out an album in two years. Mm. Um. I feel like we still see like, it floor seats. Yeah, so so that's the thing. Like, like, and we strategically did it. Like, I sat down with my team, and we were just like, I, I was feeling burnt out. I ain't stopped since mm. I had started. Um, touring, flying, I was just like fucking tired. Um, I'm seeing cousins that like, you know, I'm I'm not seeing my cousins, but when I see them, they like fucking big and shit. I'm like, damn, I'm not seeing. Do they know me? Like, do they know me through the TV? So it's just like I had to slow my life down. I had took more corporate gigs because it's like you could get the big bag doing corporate mm. gigs. <laughs> I always think about that and how it's gonna happen, but it it didn't. It doesn't usually happen. It didn't happen today. They just trot back and forth with their high heels. <laughs> the way you reacted, she got the heavy heels. We might have to move out of here. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but yeah. So like, I just took more corporate gigs because you could get like the 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 price of three shows or the money you'll mm. get from three shows. You can probably do like one corporate gig and get that. So I just started working smarter and not harder and not burning myself out. And it allowed me to like spend more time with my family. And I did take a step back because I needed to like, and I need to get inspired again. Mm. So. But when you talk about the corporate gigs versus like the real shows, like do, do you have that feeling of like when you play a show to a thousand people that it feels super intimate and passionate and exciting? And then if you pay, play a show to 10,000 people that it feels like a little bit less intimate it might be cool because you can see a fucking huge crowd going crazy yeah but when you play the smaller shows you kind of get a more intimate experience do you have that issue with doing like corporate shows versus your um, shows corporate shows is way different because it's like like say like a hennessy event or something like that like i'll pull up and or like a tiffany's event i'll pull up and do a show but it's really like i'm kicking it with everybody versus like the full on like lights and the production and all of that. So it's more very more intimate very much more intimate and you can't expect them to like go too crazy as they will go at a show show. Mm. Because like they might be it might be after work. They got on shoes still. Like it's just different. There's white people basically. Nah. Not, <laughs> nah. There's people in like ties, nah. people who work in offices and shit. Nah, hell no. You'll be surprised, man. I bring out I mean, that's why they work with me. I bring out the crowd. Like, I bring out, like, cool people. So you're going to see some punks. You're going to see some um, hippies. You're going to see some turned-up black people. You're going to see everything in there. Can we get the story behind the, uh, what was that, the Uzi video where you did it at that hardcore show? Oh, yeah. I always so wanted that to wasn't know what even, the fuck that, that wasn't was. a show. Oh, we, you did it just for the I video I did a shoot. show. Okay. I, well, I did a, 
Well, it, it was a show, but I put on a show. Right. Basically. I forget the band names. Oh, I forget too. Yeah. But my boy Adam DeGross, I'm not sure if you know who that is. Uh, Photographer. He 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 shot like a lot of my stuff. Now he's like shooting like post Malone stuff. Okay. So I, think I might know him. Yeah, he he shoots a lot of those guys. So I'm like, yo, I want this to be the theme of the video. So I'm like, yo, how can we like grab these people in? And I'm like, we just thought about it on tour, and he was just like, yo, let's just do a show. So we did a show. I was the headliner, and that's when I performed the song. How'd you feel about the love that you got from that fan base? Like, was it, it was exciting? crazy. It was like a new world. Because they're punching each other in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but that shit was fire. That shit looks so amazing. Crazy, yeah. And the energy was amazing. Like, fucking seeing people really pull up with, like, the crazy mohawks and, like, the clothes and... Like they was in on a fashion shit too. Like so, mm -hmm. it was just so much stuff that we had in common. But they're not even thinking of it as fashion. They're just really wearing some ratty vest that they sewed all these different patches and pins on. But they're not thinking of it in the like you're looking like at it fly. from a fashion perspective of like, wow, that would look appropriate on like a runway or some yeah. cool ass new company's line. They're just like that to them is just like, oh, I want to let everybody know what bands I like. So I got a bunch of patches on this jacket. But I feel like that that took a conscious thought too. Like mm -hmm. you thought you had to think about that. Like, oh, this is cool. Like because I got all my bands, and also I do think that they think about their fashion because I was looking at like an interview on Sex Pistols, and um, this dude uh, McLaren, yeah. Malcolm McLaren, because they came out of like a weird sex punk type shop that was exactly. all the weird bondage. That's gear how he was meeting the kids. Like all of the kids would come buy their clothes from his shop. Mm. So they they had to consciously think about what they was wearing, whether it was colors or like a fucking whatever it was, like a latex mask or whatever the fuck it was. Mm. Yeah, they were on some wild shit. Yeah. I feel like when I saw that video, it was just cool because I could tell that the people, like I could tell it wasn't just a bunch of extras hired to be in the video and that it was nah, actual fans. Real people that were, were missing teeth and all types of shit. <laughs> and they were just excited <laughs> as fuck. Because like a lot of times, you know, nowadays people will maybe like wear a punk band shirt or some shit, but they don't really fully embrace that culture. And I think that when you look at that culture, it's really not that different from rap. It might be more abrasive. Yeah. They got a different style, different attitude right. about certain things, but yeah. it's like, I don't know. I feel like they were appreciative of you sort of putting on for them. Yeah, I always, I always think about that, too, because I like wearing band shirts. And sometimes I don't be knowing, like, who all the bands is. And I used to be like, damn, like, am I going to be, like, considered a poser? But it's like, nah, I can't because I really I'm a fan of the art. The mm. art looks dope. But I do think it's it's cool to discover the shirt and then, like, do research on it to just know why you like it or why you're wearing it. Mm. Because it's like a rack of, it's like a rack of shirts, like Iron Maiden and just different shit that I see people wearing, but they don't really know the background behind it. Mm. Like for me, um, I love the artist that does like all of the uh, the Pink Floyd like art and shit like that. Uh -huh. I haven't really dove into the catalog of Pink Floyd, right. but I know it's like diehard Pink Floyd fans out there. But like, I'm really a fan of the art of the covers, the whatever, the the stage, like when they had the plane crash into the stage, all of that shit. I didn't really even get into the music yet. Yeah. So I still got time to do that. Yeah, and I think it's like you can appreciate a band for something besides their music in yeah, the same sure. way that like, you know, you could appreciate, uh, you know, the characters from a movie or like, you know, you, like I, you could appreciate a video game based on a movie and then not really care about the movie. Movie. Right, that's a fact. It's okay because it's like the, realistically, the art is just as big a part of yeah. 
the band in itself. How much? Nah, because people like to call you out. They'd be like, oh, you got that shirt on. Like, what you know about, you know what I'm saying? Because I felt like that 100% when I was a kid because I would be going to the skate shop to buy like BMX brand shirts. And then I'd be thinking like, I'm going to be going to school. I'm like 14. I'd be thinking like, I'm going to go to school and like, I can't even 180. I'm going to be wearing this shirt. Are people going to be giving me a hard time? Right. And now, they you're would. just a fan of the culture. Yeah. No, and I just, I wanted to be into it so bad. And yeah. I was trying so hard. That's how it starts, I was just brand though. new. Yeah. Everybody starts off like that. You got to be a fan first. Mm. And then you get into it. Yeah. And this but, shit got me burping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the rules have just changed a lot, you know, like in the sense that, I mean, I know so many rappers that I see them wearing Slayer shirts and I know they ain't never heard Slayer. And, but part of me is kind of like, Bro, I would like to. I would like if you just had to sit down for like forty five minutes and just listen to some Slayer, and then just yeah. report back to me and tell me what you think about it, because right. I'm very curious to know what you would think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, so do you think a lot about like the visuals attached to your stuff? Like when you when you think about your overall career, how important are aesthetics? Because we're talking about how like with Pink Floyd, you could appreciate it without even necessarily caring about the music that much. Bro, like I. That's that's what I think takes the music so long to come out sometimes. It's really? just like when I don't have the rollout and the proper like photos and the videos to go with it, like that shit is a hundred percent the reason why like sometimes it takes so long for me to put music out. Cause yeah. I, I believe that visually people need to see, you know, something that represents the music you're putting out. Like it it just all comes together to me. Yeah. Like I could like I I'd be dropping songs every day out of the year if I didn't have to shoot videos. Right. But like to me the visual is so important. Yeah. It would be so weird to because I, I was listening to somebody have that conversation the other day and they were like, I would like to listen to Young Thug in the way that every night when Young Thug records six songs, I just get to listen to him. And I'm like, I don't think you actually want to listen to Young oh, they Thug. Want to hear, like the creative like if you could just hear it every process. night and not have to wait and then get the 10 songs every six months or however often a rapper chooses to drop. Like, could you imagine if there was like a- You'll get tired of, you'll get tired of- You don't want to hear the drafts, basically. It's like, you want to hear the 10 best ASAP Ferg songs at the end of that year that he came up with, not the fucking five songs that he fucked around and experimented with every night. I feel like that's what makes the hits, Mm. is like, you like discovering something, you coming up with a style, and then you finally like, it hits and you're like, oh, this is this is what it is. Mm. I discovered it. Now I'm gonna keep practicing this style until like I really get something golden out of it. And then that's the one that you mm. you go with. Cause the, I I record so much, but everything I record don't go out. Like the um ride song that I did with uh Ty Dollar Signs, that's four years old. Really? Yep. Wow. And the um also the one that I got with Burn Fires, the Dreams, Fairy Tales, and Fantasies. Uh, I did that with Salon Remy four years ago. Why did you sit on it for so long? Because, like, I just, it was a different song for me, one. It was very, like, I don't know, I probably overthought it. Did uh, you re-record your vocals? Because you nah, probably sounded different back then, right? Nah, no? I didn't re- re-record them. Wow, that's interesting. All, all we did was just put Brent Fires on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that was all we did. That's so that interesting. Was new. Yeah, you got that song. What's it called? Limos and Hummers. That you, Hummer you, limos. Yeah. Bro, you got like a, a Fallout Boy type voice going at some point on that. When you you hit like a completely like a different voice. I never heard you like that. Listen to Hip Hop. Oh yeah, right, right, right. But I felt like you did something completely different. You ever listen to Fallout Boy? Nah. You gotta listen to him because you'll see I the similarity have, vocally I, I there. Might, I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard like some songs from them. I think it's just like a different style of, of using your voice. Thing. Melody. Yeah. I just brought something back. Like if you listen to Kissing Pink, 
uh, with me and Rocky. I'm singing on there. If you listen to like, uh, if you listen to a lot of my old shit, like Cocaine Castle, I'm singing on there. Um, even a, a song I got called 402, like where I'm just full blown singer, like an R&B singer. Uh-huh. It's just like these different bags I go into and I just decided to bring that bag back. Right. Yeah. So when you have these songs that are from four years old, though, who brings them back to the forefront? Like, do you have somebody on your team that is like, yo, I really think this one might fit on the project or do you have it still floating in the back of your head? Well, with the Ride song with Ty Dolla, I was like, man, I love this song. Why wouldn't I put this out? It's time for the world to experience this type of Ferg. Mm. And then, because that was something completely new. Um, and also as an artist, sometimes you get locked in and pigeonholed and, and to what like people love about you mm. or what works for you. So they from Ferg, I know the brand, they they like, man, we want the turned up shit. But I'm like, I want to challenge my listeners now. So it's like, I want to give them some shit that I really love. Right. And back to your question as far as like, um, who bring these songs back um, is like uh, Salam Remy. He just took it upon himself to get Brent Fires on it. I wanted to work with Brent Fires for a minute, but he just, they was working with each other already on a song that I did. And he was just like, yo, I read, I put Brent Fires on it. And I redid the beat. Listen to this shit. And I'm like, yo, the song we did four years ago? He like, yeah, it sounds crazy. I listened to it and it really sounded crazy. So I was like, cool. Yeah. Me, I just do the music and sometimes I just leave that shit with people and shit just pops up and it's a, it's a thing. You like, worry about leaks and shit? Nah, I'm worried about leaks and shit. When you have shit just floating around. I mean, around I do. Like, when it comes to, like, the new, new shit. But if it's, like, some shit that I had did with somebody, most likely we did it and I loved it. So if it leaked, it's like, all right, whatever. Right. Yeah, it was more so on them than me. When I asked for questions from the audience, you know, who responded as uh, Bodega Bams. He said, when are we going to put out our tape? LOL. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Bodega Bams. We got a, a tape we never put out. It's called Trapping in the Bodega. Right. Yeah, shit is crazy. Yeah. Shit is honestly crazy. You know what I want to ask him? I want to ask him how, because he he did a song with 6ix9ine way back in the day. Word, I think Nobody he told remembers. me that. I think he told me that. It's just so weird and random because it's like 6ix9ine was just trying to get down with whoever he could. And right. I could just imagine him being like, yo, Bodega Bears, let me get a feature. Because he didn't know, you know, he probably like didn't really want to be like a lyrical rapper like Bodega Bams. He just didn't know anybody and just ended up doing that. I would just love to hear the story because I bet there's some weird shit there. I mean, when you are up and coming artist, you like right. you you just trying to you trying to work with whoever want to work at the end of the day. And Bodega Bams is not like a, a light artist neither. Like no, yeah. you know, people a lot of people will want to work with him. Yeah, I no, he's like, dope. Yeah. Exactly, it's just him and Six Nine together is such a bizarre idea to me that they that that even. It's happens. not bizarre to me though. I think Six Nine wanted that hippie crowd that mm. like we, you know, that weird like gangster hippie crowd is like. The, the the same crowd ASAP Mob have the same crowd that Schoolboy Q have Danny Brown have, um, that was his lane. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He came out with colorful hair, colorful teeth, and whatever the case may be. So he wasn't the like a regular hood artist. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Not at all. I think him collaborating with a Bodega Bams it kind of put him more in that category of the hippie like different kind of. Five. You never met him? I met him like I met him once, yeah. Nothing nothing too interesting or um it was like quick. It was just like a what's up, um, I fuck with your music type shit and that was it. That's what I think is so interesting about 
where you're at in your career? Is he it... came to watch me uh, in Germany one time. He was side stage. Oh, wow. Yeah. But you've been through so many, gen like you were the hot new rap crew. Like you were like the new dude that everybody was excited about. But you've seen that game go through so many different changes, so many new versions. So of the, fast. And 6ix9ine is like, just, you know, you must look at that and just be like, what the fuck? Like, I remember when we came out and people were acting like we were bugging just for wearing designer or some shit. And now this guy got fucking 6ix9ine tattooed on his face. You, do you ever just sit back and have been like, I can't believe that I'm still like, like that shit is still working and that the game has gotten so wild, but that, you know, that just that your appeal has been able to, to last for, cause you know, you've been like a real rapper for like what, seven years, maybe six years. Longer than that probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised by it because like me and Rocky would talk about like the lifestyle and, and what we wanted to, the picture we wanted to paint back then. We always pictured like kids with guns and vans mm. you know what i'm saying like colorful hair and yams had tattoos on his face and all of that shit so i mean the fucking pints of lean and like we already was on all of that shit in the, from the beginning right you know what i'm saying so like to see where kids is gone all all that happened was people seen asap and that's what happened mm. Really, like because each generation was, just takes it to a was, more and more extreme who was level. The right? different type of rappers that was dressing different, um, uh, gender bending. You like, guys were that for New York because I feel like those, and all like, that like the same thing that was happening with Odd Future in LA. It just so happened that you had like you had the fucking white girl mob up in the bay. You had ASAP in New yeah. York. You even had like other there was other people in New York too. Yeah, Action Bronson popping off. All these yeah. kind of dudes who were just completely. Doing shit that when you look at how many years we had of sort of just straight up gangster rappers, it was just a whole new thing. It was a whole new thing. And it was like natural for us because we were just being ourselves. We was really on some fashion shit. We was really on some fuck what anybody else thinks shit. This is what we on shit. Like with the attitude, everything with it. So I think, and like really like what you see is really what what, what we painting. Like we was really like going to underground fashion shows, hood by air shows and going to uh, buy like Margiela samples at like Tokyo 7 and shit like that. Like we was really like on that wave. We were just rapping about what we was doing mm. and, and creating visuals to it, to our life. So I think what happened was we set a bar, ASAP set a bar. I think it's safe to say we set a bar with fashion, we set a bar with visuals, mm -hmm. we set a, a, a tone with music, we brought like rapping on certain type of beats. We made that a thing. Like it wasn't really a thing to like have like New York dudes rapping on like Midwest or Mississippi beats or um, Houston. It took a lot less to shock people at that time because exactly. <laughs> you know. I, like early ASAP controversies, the girl mouthing the N-word in the Rocky video, the yeah, white girl. Yeah. Like even just Rocky having like white tall ass models yeah. in his video and shit. Mm -hmm. People were like, whoa, like that's fucking crazy. That's a whole conversation. And then you look at the game six, seven years later. And everybody's doing it normally. <laughs> and there's just so much more ridiculous shit going on that it's like if you were to do one of those things, it might not necessarily get as much attention because you do have insane face tattoos and yeah. hair dye yeah even like when we was wearing the, the jala bears like the 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 things that the the muslims wear like when that became a thing when ktz was 
designing these long things. People are like, oh, they got dresses on it. Mm -hmm. It ain't dresses. It's just another form of a, a style. Like you go to Dubai, like the the sheiks wear this mm -hmm. type of thing. So it was just like that people, was hard. people didn't, people wasn't, they minds wasn't elevated to that point. And mm -hmm. then like they were just always getting, they was just always have to play catch up. And that's just literally who he was in the hood. Like mm. literally, like even like before ACGs was a thing, I wore ACGs because I seen people in Philly or um, um, the DMV wearing ACG Nike boots. And uh, like I brought it to the hood. Mm. And they like, yo, you, where you get them Power Ranger boots from? You know what I'm saying? And then like when they got on the Nike boots and True Religions, I, we moved on to like something else. Just like when they was on throwback jerseys, I was wearing like diesel jeans and seven jeans and antiques. And I remember I left New York 2010 and then I didn't come back to like maybe 2013. And all of a sudden I come back and I'm seeing dudes who look like they're like selling drugs on the corner, but they got sweatpants with leather pockets all over them and shit. Sweatpants or leather Or with pockets. the drop crotch pocket pants oh, and shit, oh, like you know? like the fucking like Rick Owen style It happened type. so fast that like the average guy in Brooklyn was just all of a sudden rocking some shit that three years before motherfuckers would not have gone near. Yo, we was called gay. We was mm. fighting. We was all of that shit because of bringing style into the hood. Like people just didn't understand this shit. Mm. It was just like, yo, like why... Are y'all wearing colorful skinny jeans or this, that, and the third or whatever? Like, and we just, we was just doing what we wanted to do. We seen something, we thought it was cool. We knew ourselves mm. and we was just cool with that. And that's just what we continue to do. And as far as like where the state is now, I think people are just, it's not even stylish what they're doing now. I think what they're doing is just trying to make noise, mm. period. So you got people just doing shock value shit and playing a self. It's the that's the new generation of everybody just trying to go viral and everybody is super aware of what might go viral and that yeah. sort of governs everything. And that's what like that's why I could just wear a white tee and be cool. Mm. Because it's like At this point, that's almost like the appropriate reaction to a lot of the craziness. Yeah, like we gotta regulate like what's happening and mm. we gotta like I'm gonna continue to do things with style and continue to do things, but it's just like everybody is, everybody is trying to be so different that it's not different. Right. Uh, when I asked for questions from the audience, somebody pointed me to this old meme that I hadn't thought about in a really long time. But it's basically, it was I think this was like very early in your career, and oh no, it was, it was about the time your second album came out. And this guy tweeted, "ASAP Ferg announces the name of his forthcoming album," and you just responded, <laughs> second. Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not know what forthcoming meant. Totally understandable, because when you like, look at that, yo, it's like, and I, yeah, yo, we laugh about that shit all the time. Like, I dead ass ain't know what forthcoming meant. Yeah, and we and every people was probably laughing and act like, oh, this nigga is so so stupid. This that a third. Like, did you know what forthcoming meant? You were fresh up off the block. Yeah, like yeah. I lied and said like I just woke up, but really, <laughs> I did not know what forthcoming meant. So I learned. I'm glad <laughs> I we learned get, the hard way. Get that story. But hey, I don't think it's anything to be embarrassed about. It's just a funny, a funny memory. It's mad funny. Yeah. It's OD funny. A lot of people wanted to know about the uh, Raider Clan brawl that you were allegedly involved in. Because we've had multiple people sort of give versions of it on the story that were from the other side. But we've never heard somebody who was actually there describe it at all from your side. Man, and I was, know that's some ancient shit. It was, just a, it was just a fucking crazy fight that happened in Miami. Uh -huh. Um. 
the shit happened so fast. It was like, it felt like 10 seconds. Right. Yeah, it was just, they was, and it, it happened so fast. And when we, we, it was after a show and like, it was like a fence and people was hopping fences and shit. I don't even know how many dudes was there on that, on the other side. Like I just, the shit was a blur, honestly. Do you, so quick. do you look back at SGP's career and be like, damn, like that he could have been, could have been great. No. <laughs> <laughs> you never were a fan? Nah, we was all fans. He we was crew. Like he was he was coming around and he was screaming. I I, I knew it was something up when he was coming around throwing up ASAP and screaming Raider Clan. Uh. Like so he had his own ideals and he, he had his own mission or whatever he was trying to, you know, go on. Right. He trying to create his own world. Mm. But he was trying to do it through us. Like we was technically Raider Clan, if that's what it was. Like, you know what I'm saying? You was coming around with us screaming Raider Clan, who's your clan? Like yeah. <laughs> where where are they? Right. But from from a lot of people's we perspective. We all lived in the same house. You did, huh? For yeah. how long? Uh this is in the beginning, so it was like a few months. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just a lot of fans out there that just wish that they could live out an alternate reality in which SGP had sort of like remained in the ASAP universe and made music with you guys in those early days and stuff. Yeah. That beef was really inherited because it was like I had a everybody had a problem with him because I guess him and Rocky fell out. Cause Rocky brought him around like, mm -hmm. I ain't know that nigga. Well, Rocky knew that he was ahead of his time. Oh, he was for sure. Mm. Like beats and all of that shit. He was doing something totally different that really when you look at a lot of stuff now that's popular in the underground stuff, it's totally like sort of stuff that was born out of some sounds that SGP was kind of really early on. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that a lot of fans really wanted me to ask you about is that that time that you... You're taking me back to... <laughs> to Word. some old school shit. That's what I think No Jumper's for is we got to ask you about stuff that like nobody on the radio shows would yeah. ever ask you about. Um what about the day that you and Gucci got into it on Twitter back in the day? Oh, man. <laughs> you beefed was... with the old school, volatile, angry-ass Gucci. Man, I had to be very clever with, with my uh, my rebuttal. Right, because how do you argue with a fucking yeah. OG like that, I'm right? Like, first of all, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like, I forgot what I said. He said, uh, he said something real disrespectful. He was like, yo, whoever the, the trap lord is or whatever... Uh, he said something about he said your moms or some shit like that like moms could suck a dick or some shit that was Gucci wildin this is like right before he yeah. basically like got locked up for a few years I got a story though I got so he said um, I said something about him being washed that was how I, I answered that uh -huh. and then I went on a breakfast club I think and I was like yo he should want me to like mimic him or want me to you know embrace you know well, he should embrace me for right. like being a younger, you know, he the trap god, I'm the trap lord. But I my also my argument was my name was the trap lord before he he, he started claiming the trap mm. god. Because if you look back on the the date of my album and the video work, I was always calling myself the trap lord. So that mm. was a that was a lot of argument. But I seen Gucci in Miami. Recently? No. No, no, no. I'm cool with Gucci now. Okay. Like, but like he apologized and everything. Yeah. And we laughed about that shit. But the um I went during that time of that Twitter shit when he was wilding on everybody, uh -huh. 
I had seen him in Miami and I was by myself. For some reason, I didn't have no security with me. Okay. I have no manager with me, nothing. And I was in the airport and I seen this motherfucker. I'm like, I hope he don't see me. <laughs> I hope he don't see me. Don't see me right now. At the airport. That's the funny. Because so, you could totally be at the airport by yourself. Yeah. You know, like you might not go anywhere else, but you feel safe in the airport. Yeah, but like shit. At that time, like Rocky was telling me Gucci was looking for me and all of that shit. He ran up on Rocky in a club, like, where that nigga Ferg at? <laughs> yeah, so it was, he really had it out for me. Wow, that's so crazy because you know that that was Gucci tripping, like at a point where he was not in the right state of mind because the Gucci that we all know and love would never go beef with some new hot rapper. Like, he would never, like, start a beef over some little shit because he, I think he knows his role and he knows that he's supposed to be this elder statesman in the game and that the people don't yeah. want to see him just talking shit to a, a young dude yeah like that was an interesting time i mean that was like the same time period that he was really wilding out on twitter he said some amazing other yeah, things yeah he too. was going crazy on waka and i'm like oh he definitely tripping there's things he said at that time period that i still wonder if they were true i'm not gonna repeat them <laughs> yeah. some people know what i'm talking about but yeah like the transformation though is amazing mm. yeah exactly bro his abs different how what, different. Is, what do i gotta do to get abs like that what do i gotta like eat? like his belief system whatever he did to like that's what i'm talking about conditioning like mm. i read his book too like he that's was good, just yeah. fucking up fucking up fucking up fucking up going to jail figuring out a way to record music while he was locked up and rehab this that and the third but then, like, it was just, like, one last time he just got it right. And it's so shocking when you're reading the book because he keeps fucking up so many times. Yeah. But he keeps fucking up his life so many times, and he keeps, like, saying that he's going to get better, and then something happens, and he starts getting fucked up again, and blah, blah, blah. But, like, it happens so many times in the book before he finally gets his shit together. But now the extent to which he really has his shit together is, like, the most motivating shit. Like, damn, if Gucci could get it together, then Anybody every, every lean sipping crazy ass dude Gucci's that I know. Milan yes, at the Gucci fashion show. And wow, he had never left the United States until like a year ago. Wow, his whole career because he was always on papers. Yeah, that's crazy. That actually made me genuinely like extremely happy, like yeah. seeing him just traveling the world Gucci and finally the, getting to live that. He's the he's the the hope for real. Shout Facts. out to Gucci. I appreciate you coming in, man. This was really oh, good. Oh man, this was really good. Why like, is the album so short? Um, or EP, right? Do you EP? Yeah. I listened to it like five times today because it's so short that it just keeps replaying. That's probably because maybe if it was so long, you want to listen to it five times. That's true. I listened to it in the gym today a couple times, and uh, various normies were coming up to me and being like, "I like this shit. Where? What is this?" Word. Wow. Mm, that's a good sign. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, it's short because I just didn't want to do a long-ass album. Mm. I feel like that's where music is going now. It's like short. And like some people just put out singles, mm. you know, just one joint. And There's like YouTuber rappers basically who like the only time you really pay attention to them is when they just drop that one YouTube video. It's a dope video. Yeah. And they, do, they don't even need a project. Yeah, that's, that's what I feel like music is going more towards. But like I guess like when I put together a project of work, like and it'll be like 12 songs, maybe it's like skits and just me trying to tell a story. But this is like really was about the Sonics and me working with more females and just getting off songs that I really loved. Mm. I just put them out. I'm happy you put Rico Nasty on there. No, Rico Nasty is ill. Such a cool person. Yeah. Such a great she's character, dope. man. She's awesome. Yeah. she's To me, she's going to have a promising career. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
And she's just got that. I like her because she got such a different look and different style. Different angle. Totally different angle on what it is to be a woman. Just like Tierra Watt. Mm, she's amazing. Different God. angle. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not compromising at all. Mm -hmm. That's what I fuck with. And I got nothing against girls who like show a lot of their body and stuff. I think that's totally understandable. Oh, we love that too. If we had that, we would do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's just dope to see girls like as the shit develops that could really like I mean, just there. like dudes, like we got layers to like what a dude can do. So like it's good to see it happen with females. Nobody's mad at Gucci for using a six pack as a promotional weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing the same thing, you know? Fendi. You That's think you're ever going to get to that point? You're going to get so into the working out and shit and you're going to just start posting fucking shirtless pics and shit? I do that shit now. Yeah. Well, you're owning it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do that shit now. Mm. It ain't like I got like the, like my stomach is hanging over my dick. Like I got, I'm stocky. Like my shit look nice. My but, shit sit up. But to go full Gucci Mane and really be like chicken and, ri chicken and broccoli for like, he must have just, I don't know how the hell he did that. I'm just yeah. fascinated. He definitely like, he definitely got a team, though. You should have a team. Like, when you got that much money, you got a team that's making sure you're doing the right thing. But he inspires me, too, because I've watched his Instagram story and seen him hopping into the McLaren at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning by himself leaving the gym. A word. And I'm like, this dude is a G, because it's it, it's nobody, yeah. like, cracking it the all, whip. Yeah, it all, it all starts off with you, though. It's, mm -hmm. like, all in what you want. Like, I remember I had a, um, my trainer on tour with me, uh, D-Mac. That's gonna and be nice. He, uh, he had he had me working out twice a day. I lost fourteen pounds on tour. Wow. Yeah. So like, it's just all in like your decision making. It's like you could either decide to have a, a rack of bullshit around you, or you could just have people around you that's gonna make you a better person. You gotta try if you want to like really live that healthy. Even because you know? even when you try, you get results. Mm. Even when you try, like even if you. The moment you start, you wake up, you're like, ah, I'm fucking tired of being lazy. And you do some push-ups, you start, your mind get clearer. You just start, like, feeling different. You That's why I'm, I'm so addicted to I wake up and I just eat eggs, drink coffee, and then go to the gym and work my ass off. And I feel like when I start the day like that, it gives me so much energy to take on the rest of the day and make positive choices about, like, what I eat, what I do. But then you feel good about yourself, too, because you knocked out the shit that you just didn't want to do. Like, Whereas, nobody if, wants to work out. Like, if I woke up and ate pancakes, you'll feel so bad. This day's a wash. Because yeah. how the fuck yeah. am I going to make an a intelligent decision about working out or about what I eat for dinner once I already had them pancakes? Yeah, you already fucked yourself over. Yeah. I, I'm not showing self-love when I do that. Uh, or you could eat, you could just kill yourself in a gym and then have like pancakes. Like, oh, I killed myself so I could, I could, I could have some pancakes today. I've been through a lot of years of my life where I justified eating bad by working out and now I'm finally like eating really good and working out and I could say that I probably should have just been doing this for a long time. Yeah. But you know But you can have your, your days where you you dibble and dabble in the, the bullshit. Definitely. Yo tell the people why they need to go get this album. Yo go get this album because it's the best work that I've put out. Go get this album because Timberland produced a joint called Hummer Limo on there. Go get this album because I'm ASAP Ferg and I got amazing songs and y'all know that shit because y'all make me go double platinum and triple platinum um yeah go get this album because it's great you know what i just realized i got i gotta say this i was trying to wrap the interview up but i gotta say this you ever have the problem where you get in your car and your car just auto plays the same song every fucking time you get in your car nah my car does that for real because it's like 
I don't know why, but it will just always autoplay the first song under A in my phone library. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that shit used to happen with The Weeknd. Really? As soon as I plug the shit up, The Weeknd just come on all the time. I used to hate that shit. Every single time I get in my car, put in work, put him in the dirt. But it's a chopped and screwed version. I don't know why. I don't know how this ended up on my fucking phone. But it's like, and I always like that. Chopped up, not slopped up. Always like that song. Always appreciate yeah. that song. Never really thought but about it's it that you much. To the fucking I, I, I'm at the point where I feel like I need to just add some random song to my iTunes library so that it won't. Because and, and then every time I have to think about it. And today, actually, when I was going on my way to listen to your first album, I heard that song at regular speed for the first time in a long time, and it sounded like fucking Looney Tunes music because it <laughs> sounded so fast to me. Wow, yeah. that's funny. Um, yeah, that happens with a lot of people because like ASAP, that's, right. that's a blessing. Even like in your phone. Like, I get tons of pocket dials. I got pocket dial from YG the other day. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, just because I'm probably one of the first people in his phone. Wow. It's yeah. crazy. It hurts. <laughs> You're like, oh, so you don't want to talk to me? ASAP <laughs> <laughs> Ferg, yo, it's a real honor, bro. I appreciate Likewise, you, man. man. Thank you, bro. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe. NoJumper.com if you want to support. Peace. Peace.